Welcome back to the Locked On Red Sox podcast. It's Friday, baby, which means it's almost the weekend. Let's go. And it's also six days away until opening day where the Red Sox face the Yankees. What's up, Red Sox fans? My name is Jake Nizuski. I'm the Massachusetts Pirates team insider, and I'll also be joined by my co-host today, Nesson writer Lauren Campbell. And Lauren and I had a very, very special guest on the show. He's the senior social producer for CBS Sports and the co-host of the Wake and Rake podcast with former Red Sox player Will Middlebrooks, none other than Danny Vietti. So we talked about with Danny his thoughts on how the Red Sox will not only perform throughout the 2022-22 season, as well as he gave his thoughts on how Trevor Story will not only transition to Fenway, but also transition to his new position of second base. Danny also give, gives his thoughts on the Red Sox offseason moves to improve their starting rotation. And then lastly, Danny explains why he thinks Bloom is one of the smartest executives in the entire MLB. I hope you guys enjoy. You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are here with a very special guest. He's the senior social producer for CBS Sports and the co-host of the great podcast called Wake and Rake Podcast with his co-host, Will Middlebrooks. I'm here with Danny Vietti. So how are we doing today, Danny? It looks like you're in some gorgeous weather while we're stuck over here in 40 or 50 degrees. Yeah, we were just talking about it, right? I don't mean to brag because probably a lot of your listeners are sitting in 40 degree weather. But yeah, I figured it's a beautiful day outside. 70, 75 degrees over here in California. So I had to do the podcast outside. I, I say I don't mean to brag, but evidently that's what I'm doing, I guess. <laughs> I'd be bragging too. If I if I had that backdrop, that weather, I would just, yep, any chance I get, I absolutely would be bragging. Well, I need the sun. I don't know. You know, Some of your listeners are probably on audio platforms, but if you're watching online, I definitely need some sun. I'm, I'm, I'm looking a little, a little pale from the winter. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I need I need to get a little bit of tan as well. But, um, you know, for, for people who are listening and you have not checked out the Wake and Rake podcast just yet, go and check it out. Danny and Will do an amazing job breaking down uh, all the baseball news that's going on uh, each week. And I want to start off sort of talking to you about uh, a funny story that I saw. I was I was going through Twitter yesterday, uh, sort of preparing for this podcast. And I came across the video where Will was talking about Dustin Bedroya anytime an intern or a new reporter would walk in. You just go, hey, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and I, I, I started dying. I'm like that. Every, every, uh, every story about Petey's is is hysterical. Yeah, that's been the best part about doing the whole podcast with Brooks is I've been able to get a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, and unfortunately, a lot of that I probably can't share publicly. But I get to keep it to myself at least. Petey being one of them. Um, I've asked multiple times. I've asked, well, you know, who's your favorite? Sorry, I got dogs barking. Uh, I've asked Will multiple times, um, who's your favorite teammate? And he constantly brings up the same guys every time. He always says Johnny Gomes, number one, and then Pedroia always secondly, too. So those two guys always sticks out to him. And he said Petey's the type of guy, obviously, small in stature, but always very boisterous and always has been the loudest voice in the room. Uh, leads by example and also leads with his voice as well. Petey, it, it, I 
am in Sacramento, California over here. And my dad actually teaches at Woodland High School, which is Dustin Pedroia's high school. So I get a lot of Pedroia stories. Um, I hear a lot of how he was as a young kid versus how he is as an adult now retired. And he's basically the same kid, like ultra competitor, ultra, uh, you know, ultra teammate, just the guy that you always want, um, you know, in, in your clubhouse at every, every given day. So, yeah, I mean, Petey's as, as good as they say he is, at least from what I understand. I think that's my favorite thing about Pedroia is that the, the, the people who have, I mean, many people have a lot of good things to say about him, but you, he is that same person off the field that he is on the field, just sacrificing himself for the game and just giving him, giving it his all and being that leader, which I think a lot of Red Sox fans maybe underestimated when he uh, eventually did retire that you're losing not only a stellar second baseman, but you're losing a, a big voice, a big leader in that, in that clubhouse. Yeah. But I mean, Trevor story is going to be filling those shoes, I guess. Right. Sure so, is. And, and, and look, I mean, to your point though, Lauren, those are huge shoes to fill, not literally speaking because of, we all know, stature, <laughs> but the, the leadership quality. And, and I know Pedroia hasn't really played physically in the last couple of years, but his voice in the clubhouse, like we were just discussing, um, that's irreplaceable. But Trevor Story is coming over from a team in Colorado where he was the leader. I know they didn't have as much success as they would have wanted over there in the Rocky Mountains, especially since Arnado took off for St. Louis. But he was their leader, and he was a big voice in that dugout. Um, and to have him partnered with Xander Bogarts up the middle, I mean, that's a dangerous, dangerous tandem right there. And you got Rafi Devers over there on the left side. Bobby Dalbich displayed his power in the second half, especially last season. I, Jake, you and I were talking about this before. The last time we spoke really was talking about whether the Red Sox might make the playoffs. And this year, we're not really discussing that anymore. We're really discussing like, okay, how much of a World Series contender is this team? So it's crazy how fast Heim Bloom has been able to put his imprint on this team. Everybody knew he was the man. Everybody knew good things were coming. But how quickly it happened, I don't think anybody really anticipated that. Couldn't agree more. And that's why I just say the same slogan. The locked on listeners are probably sick of it by now, but hashtag and Heim we trust. And, you know, I, th I thought it was hysterical, especially when the Red Sox did obviously advance to the ALCS last season. You posted the odds at the start of the season. You joked around, you know, everybody expected this and they had a 1% odd to even get close to uh, wh where they ended up last season. But wh what was your reaction on the Trevor Story signing? Because I don't know about you, after Correa signed with the Twins, I honestly expected the Astros to go all in on story. Obviously I was hoping and praying he would go to the Sox, but what was your initial reaction? Yeah. I think when Correa signed with Minnesota and completely flipped all of our heads, I think uh, everything after that was like, what is going on with the shortstops market? Um, and two, I think after the lockout, especially with Correa's market was interesting because we knew that Houston was probably the best spot for him positionally because that's where he's been and they needed a shortstop and they would like to have added another bat in the off season. Uh, but we all know now that the Houston Astros don't give out long-term contracts, at least not what Carlos Correa was originally seeking. And so for him to go to Minnesota and essentially get more money per year. And then with the player opt-outs he has, it kind of like, I mean, it, it really shocked a lot of us. I know in the media, media business, you guys, I'm sure too. And then when what it meant for story, it was like, okay, if, if Correa's suitors, like how many suitors does Correa have? And then you compare that with story too. Which one of these guys is going to sign first? Because that's one last team that's going to be a suitor for player A versus player B. And so luckily, as you mentioned, 
being uh, having a relationship with Will Middlebrooks, he told me right from the start because he played with Trevor Story um, early in the Arizona Fall League, like back back in their early careers. Uh, it was Story, Mike Trout, I think Harper was involved in there, Brandon Crawford. It was a stack. Yeah, right. Exactly. They were lacking in talent, certainly. But uh, <laughs> uh, and so he told me from the start, like he. he I don't know how much weight this holds, but everybody's trying to recruit everybody. And so Will told me he's been trying to recruit Trevor to Boston. And so, um, of course, probably a lot of people, a lot of Boston listeners saw that Brooksy was in the news uh, either last week or the week before, because in his recruitment of Trevor, he said that New York has rats the size of, of some, some ponies or something like that. And then that there's trash in the streets in New York. So you don't want to go to New York. You don't want to go to California because of the taxes. Uh, you don't want to go to Florida because of the hurricane, so you got to come to uh, you got to come to Boston. So I was able to get some of the behind the scenes stuff in the recruitment process, which was kind of cool for me. I did not know he was going to end up in Boston until the contract was actually signed. I don't think anybody really knew exactly where he was going. I think a lot of people thought Houston was still going to be a possibility. I think a lot of people still thought Seattle was going to be a possibility. But hindsight's always twenty twenty. He looks really good in a Red Sox uniform, doesn't he? He certainly does. And his first spring training game on Wednesday, um, I thought his plate patience looked really good. I thought he looked fine. I wasn't expecting him to go two for two and hit home runs. He did drive in runs. Like I said, he looked really good. A major storyline surrounding him, though, is Xander Bogarts. And is there going to be some sort of internal competition? Will Xander Bogarts opt out and then Story moves to, to shortstop and then they just kind of fill in the holes there? But Xander Bogarts has been incredibly vocal about – also helping recruit story and just being super positive and just very supportive where it almost seems like this competition narrative, quote unquote, is like just some made up storyline just because it, I mean, it's there. Yes. But I don't feel like it's in the minds of Bogarts or story. They're here to win. That's what winning teams do. And that's what the culture that Heim Bloom brings to the table too, because you look at his time in Tampa Bay, what is Tampa Bay in Los Angeles too? the Dodgers? What are they known most for? They acquire the most talent possible, and they worry about positions later. Um, they put Max Muncy at second base in Los Angeles. The Tampa Bay Rays, they mix and match everywhere. They put Joey Wendell before he was traded to Miami all over the diamond. Um, the Tampa Bay Rays last year put Nelson Cruz at first base just because they wanted his bat in the lineup. You know, So like that that's what these analytical teams do. They try and acquire as much talent as possible, and they can find a way to position them defensively. And so Trevor Story talked about the competition battle, or maybe even lack thereof. I think when he signed, he knew that second base was probably going to be his position there. The, the the interesting part about the Story signing to me is because everyone knew, or, or most people know about his splits, his Coors Field versus away splits in his career. They're not good. And so when I was looking at his, his splits and the average power numbers, like you look at his numbers at Coors Field, versus away i mean it's night and day like he dominated at coors field power numbers he was you know his at bat per home run it's nearly double the amount of at bats on the road than it was at home so point being there's question marks because it's like okay is that going to translate to other ballparks but what was so interesting to me was at the end of his recruitment process or signing process it was three teams that were going after him most the astros the giants and the red sox those are three of the those front offices are known to be 
relying on analytics as much as anybody else. The Dodgers, too, Rays, too. But teams that have money and rely on analytics, those are three of the top teams right there. So that, to me, if you are looking at, is it going to translate? I trust Hein Bloom. I trust Farhan Zaidi. Those are two of the most respected general managers in baseball, and they rely on numbers. So if I'm a fan, especially a Red Sox fan, and I'm concerned about the splits and what how it might translate or how it might not translate, that, that says a lot to me. For those two guys to be going after Trevor Story, that tells me that they believe that it will translate. I hope that you guys are enjoying today's episode so far, but Lauren just wants to take a second to talk to you about Bill Barr. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, and that is all thanks to Built Bar. And if you haven't tried the Puffs yet, you certainly are missing out. They are the first ever protein-infused protein marshmallow. So they're fluffy, they're obviously marshmallowy, and they're not just a protein bar. They're like a little treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All Built Bars, in fact, are covered in 100% real chocolate. They're low-calorie, they're high-protein. And if you go to built.com and check out their macros chart, you'll be blown away. Most built bars have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. There's mint brownie, there's coconut, coconut almond, my personal favorite, cookies and cream. And they're coming out with new flavors all the time. Head on over to built.com, type in promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. As always, we greatly appreciate everybody making Locked On Red Sox their first listen every single day. Now make sure you go and check out Locked On MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Do you know it's also free and wherever you get your podcasts? All the other great Locked On podcasts, they have have podcasts for MLB, NBA, NFL, as well as college. So make sure you go over and check out those because the Locked On Podcast Network is your number one source for all your sports information. Now let's get back to our conversation with Danny Vietti. Very true. And, you know, all of those three teams, uh, other than the Astros, obviously, you know, the Giants and the Red Sox, both were looking for Story to move over to second base. And, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I was pretty surprised that he was so open to move over to second base. And, you know, obviously we, we've seen with the shifts and everything like that, like he's comfortable playing at the, that position. He's a much better defender than Xander Bogards is at that shortstop position. So um, I'm, I'm curious to see how that transition is for him going over to second base. Now we saw, uh, you know, he he just started in spring training with the Red Sox. So, you know, he's got, he's got one week to not only prepare to get ready for the season, but prepare in a new position. Uh, I, I want to hear your thoughts on how you think um, that's going to be able to translate when, once opening day starts in, in a week. Now he did play a little bit of second base in the minor leagues. He was originally a shortstop drafted as a shortstop, but he did play around the diamond early in the minor leagues when Troy Tulowitzki was at that shortstop position that wasn't open for him. So they played around with him a little bit early on in his career. Now he hasn't played second base in a real game in I think six, seven years or something like that. So it's going to be rusty to say the least, but I mean, Boston knows how to do it. Like I said, Boston, the Dodgers, Tampa Bay, they know how to move people around. They know the A's too. I mean, everybody's seen the movie Moneyball when they move Scott Hatterberg to first base. There's a, learning curve certainly but an athlete like trevor story it's not going to be a long learning curve i mean he's going to pick it up right away those instincts those those uh instincts that you might have once known back early in your career and haven't used them 
this is a really poor example, but I played a slow pitch softball game this last weekend for the first time in like five years. And I was wondering going into it, like, okay, how rusty am I going to be? And it seemed like, like the first ball hit to me, it was like all those baseball instincts just come, come storm. So much lower scale, slow pitch softball in Folsom, California, but on a much larger scale, I think it's going to come back really easily for an athlete like Trevor story. I mean, he's a natural athlete. Uh, defensively, he's at shortstop. He was one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball. So now he's going to be playing a less um, a less uh, difficult position, supposedly. So I, I think it'll translate well. The AL East is absolutely stacked. And the, the Red Sox have been able to kind of keep up with the other teams with the addition of Trevor Story there. The, the Blue Jays. They've just did everything right in, in the offseason. And you have the Yankees and the Rays and the poor Orioles. You know, maybe they'll they'll not lose 100 games this season. But is there a team in the AL East that scares you the most when it comes to playoff chances or just, just being like the team to beat in the AL East? It's stacked, man, across the board. Uh, it's a great question, Lauren. The Blue Jays, obviously, on paper, are really intimidating. Um they had the highest OPS in baseball last year, and they played at three different homes. So the last two years since 2020, they played at three different home fields. They've played a, they played a total of 32 games in Toronto. So now they're going to be headed back home. They had the vaccine thing too. At least I don't think that's been changed. Not the last I checked. So players had to be vaccinated. Away players had to be vaccinated in order to play at Rogers Center. Say what you want politically on that, but that's absolutely a home field advantage right there because the Blue Jays are all vaccinated. Um, so you have that going in their direction. And then, two, just on paper, you get a guy like Matt Chapman, who's been the best defensive third baseman in baseball, not just in the American League, across the league, including against Machado, Arenado. And I know that they lost Marcus Simeon. That's a huge loss, obviously. I mean, he set a record for home runs by a second baseman in a single season. But you bring over Chapman, you bring over Yusei Kikuchi, you sign Kevin Gosman. Their bullpen's still a little suspect for my liking. But just on paper, Toronto's very dangerous. I mean, they won 90 games, I think 90, 92 games last year and just missed out on the postseason. And that's with playing at three different home fields. So that's that's scary in and of itself. Um, is Vladdy able to repeat what he did last year? We'll have to wait and see. And I don't know if you saw or not, but the rumor going around that, you know, Jose Ramirez was thought to be a trade target for them. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? That infield is going to be the best in the entire league. And kind of like the Dodgers to where like their whole lineup is is just stacked full of all-stars. But uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think that the AL East will probably be separated by a few games. Each, each of those teams, each of the top four teams will probably win around 90 to 94 games. But I mean, what do you think is the possibility that all four four of those teams could all make the playoffs. And I, I mean, it, unfortunately with how stacked the Mariners are, I, I, I hope that they're able to squeak in, even though this is a Red Sox podcast. Uh, but I, I mean, how much do you, of a likelihood do you think it is that all four of them make it? I mean, the expanded postseason obviously is going to help things there. Certainly that goes without saying, I think there's a really good chance person. When I look across the board, especially the AL central is, going to be the least competitive of probably any division in baseball. The White Sox are fantastic. They're going to be very strong once again. Um, where is Cleveland at right now? I don't know. The Royals, kind of iffy. Um, and you kind of go down across the board in the American League Central. Like the Twins, I don't know. So uh, 
they're going to be down. And then you look at the American League West, the A's have completely blown up their roster. They're typically a playoff contender. They're not going to be. Um, the Angels, we all want Mike Trout and Shohei Otani in the playoffs. We'll see if they have enough pitching to do so. We want Seattle to take that next step. But it is a lot to ask from a young team. Julio Rodriguez has yet to have an at-bat in the major leagues. Jared Kalenic was coming around the last month of the season. But again, that's a lot to put on young guys' shoulders. So you like to see Seattle. You like to see Los Angeles make some strides. But really, Houston's the only team in that division that's even then, I, I hate to call them a lock because they've lost Carlos Cray and George Springer in the last two seasons. I know they were in the World Series last year. They were able to still win games without George Springer. Those are two significant losses right there. So the only really competitive division, especially especially in the American League, is going to be that American League East. So to say all four, excluding the Orioles, are going to make it, you got to like the odds, honestly. I mean, I know it's tough, and, and they're going to beat up on each other, too. So that's going to have an impact on the standings, too, because they're going to be able to play more games against one another, which means somebody has to lose those games. So that's going to work against them. But, I mean, yeah, there, there's a good chance of that happening, I think. There, the expanded postseason was one of the newer rules in this recent CBA that the league and the um, the players just came to terms on. Something that kind of got buried in that is that there will be a more balanced schedule in 2023. So you'll see a little bit more interleague play. I think it's it's good for fans. But do you see this kind of being a disadvantage or an advantage or completely neutral when it comes to the AL East in 2023? Yeah, I love it from a fan's perspective because now – Every single year, the Marlins are going to see Shohei Otani. The uh, the New York Mets are going to see Mike Trout. You know, otherwise, you don't really pay attention to what's happening on either side of the coast. Really, I mean, West Coasters get off at 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, so you're not really catching the beginning of some of those East Coast ball games, and then vice versa. Vice versa, East Coasters are going to bed when Jared Klenick's up to bat, when Fernando Tatis is stepping to the dish. They're going to sleep. Not to say you guys are, but there's a lot of people that obviously have to wake up early. So I think it's great from a fan's perspective. And I think Major League Baseball is doing a much better job increasingly of appealing to younger audiences, starting with you know, the, the, the corn game in Iowa last year. That was fantastic. So they're making strides. Competitively, I think certain divisions are obviously going to benefit more than others. I just mentioned the American League Central. They don't want this to happen because they want to play the Kansas City Royals as many. The White Sox want to play the Royals. They want to play the Tigers. Um, although the, the Tigers are looking better and better. Um, but, yeah, divisions like that, they want to play in division games, at least right now. Um, I think over the long term, it'll work itself out. American League East isn't going to be four teams deep every single year. So I think from a fan's perspective, it's great. From a team's perspective, it might benefit some rather than others initially, but I think it'll work itself out over time. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I think that's definitely going to be a great way to not only grow the game, and I don't know if you saw recently uh, what, what ESPN is going to be doing with the Home Run Derby, you know, putting in multiple different countries. I'm super excited for that, especially Johnny Gomes going up to bat for the Sox. Can't wait for it. I hope that you guys are enjoying our conversation so far with Danny, but I just wanted to take a second to talk to you about Bet Online. After months of playing, college basketball has determined the top teams for the Final Four and will determine this year's national champion this coming week. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting needs and information. For all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. 
Bet Online remains the best spot for all your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. And a few props that you can bet on specifically for the Red Sox is over under is Xander Bogards going to hit 24.5 home runs. You can bet on that right now, as well as Xander Bogards total RBIs over under 110.5. And then looking at Trevor story, total home runs in the 2022 season over under right now is 29.5. So definitely go and check out bet online, bet on those odds as well as check out other other bets as well because bet online does a great job of not only letting you know what you're paying for but they give some great information on how to understand the sports betting world if you've never bet before i i used bet online my first time betting and they did a great job of explaining everything that i was putting my hard earned money into so definitely go and check out bet online bet online where the game starts uh, but something that I want to get your thoughts on is, um, you know, obviously the rotation for the Red Sox, as well as their bullpens, their biggest Achilles heel, but specifically the rotation now that Chris Sale is going to be out until May. And, you know, not a lot of people, not only in Red Sox Nation, but also just as baseball fans are uh, too satisfied with how the Red Sox really tried to build up that rotation with grabbing Rich Hill, Michael Walker, um, as well as James Paxton. But I want to get your thoughts on how they really built up that depth um, and, and how you think that could uh, essentially translate in the 2022 season to wins. Yeah, there's going to be somebody that comes out of nowhere that pitches for the Red Sox and just kind of like latches on and fills a role, kind of like Nick Pavetta last year, right? Like nobody expected him to really have the season he has had since coming over and with the high and bloom regime. So there's going to be somebody that steps up. Um, Middlebrooks is all about, I'm going to butcher his last name. Ha- Tanner Hawk? Hawk. 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 Thank you. I always butcher his last name. <laughs> Middlebrooks is all about him. Like he, he is like his favorite pitcher in the league. And I watched him you know, obviously a little bit in the second half last year. And he's got electric stuff. Absolute steal from the Yankees, by the way. Um, so that's going to be huge for him. Depth-wise, I think the addition of Michael Walker is going to be important too. The, 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 Again, you're seeing the Tampa Bay connections here. Michael Walk was with Tampa last year. If you look at his numbers, particularly strikeout numbers, they're not off the charts. They're not going to impress you that much. But you put him with a good infield defense, Trevor Story, Bogarts, his numbers are going to get better uh, with a better defense behind him. Um, he's a guy that pitches the contact, too. Um, I don't think anybody expected Sale to have this rib cage issue that he's having. Um, that contract is looking a little suspect. I know they were able to win the World Series 20, what was it, 2018 now. Um, but after that, since that extension, obviously has been a little rough with the injuries. So, you know, if you're a Red Sox fan, though, you just, what's your motto for the show is trust in, trust in Heim. In Heim we trust. That's that's my at least motto. So, some people in Red Sox Nation don't love it because apparently we're the Boston Rays. But, I mean, we made it to the ALCS last year and nobody expected it. So, Exactly. And so that's what these new um, evolutionary uh, progressive general uh, general managers do. The first ones that come to mind is Heim Bloom, Farhan Zaidi, uh, Andrew Friedman, Friedman with Los Angeles. They build depth for, for day. That's what the Dodgers have been known for. That's why everybody – I'm getting off tangent now. Uh, the, everybody's so on board with the Dodgers, and, and I get it. Their lineup's absolutely stacked. Their rotation's stacked once again. But 
what the Dodgers were most known for over the past recent years is depth. Like they could bring Chris Taylor off the best. They could bring Kiki Hernandez of the Red Sox. Now they could bring him off the bench. They've lost a lot of depth. They lost Kenley Jansen, Joe Kelly, Corey Canable. Kike is over there in Boston. Jock Peterson's gone. So they've lost a lot of depth. Now Boston has some depth and at least they have built some over this off season. So that's going their way. That's what these general managers are doing. San Francisco has done that too. Depth is huge. 162 game season. It's, it's so influential to have depth, especially in your starting rotation and then within your uh, lineup as well. I think Red Sox fans too got very, very used to Dave Dombrowski coming in, blowing up the farm system, getting Chris Sale. And listen, I would do that trade 10 times over. But when you go from somebody as aggressive as Dave Dombrowski, who's not afraid to make that big move to someone like Hyam Bloom, who's going to build you up for success. And I think that's where it gets lost within Red Sox fans. They're very impatient. And I understand. It's been tw- four years now since the last Red Sox World Series. So it's getting up there. They're get- they need they need another one. Man, and you guys are spoiled. We are very spoiled. And we just like winning. We do yeah, like it, winning. Oh, and- Tom Brady left us a couple of years ago. <laughs> we don't have him anymore. The Celtics haven't won in a few years. Imagine being an Oakland A's and a Sacramento Kings fan or an, no, in a Raider you. fan. <laughs> no, thank you. But, you know, I think that kind of gets lost that – The Red Sox are going to be very, very good, very competitive down the stretch. I mean, if they don't win the World Series this year, there's no way they don't win in the next three to five years. And that might be like nails on a chalkboard to some fans, but Bloom is doing everything he can to completely rebuild the depth and get good players in this farm system. I I, want to ask you guys a question because that reminds me. In hindsight, and I'll answer your question after you guys answer this, because I just want to get a Red Sox fan's perspective. It's now been three years since the Mookie Betts trade. Is that correct? Three years? Are you guys happy with that trade? Or are you guys... They won it 1,000%. I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. I don't care if uh, Jeter Downs had a down year last year. I don't care if um, Connor Wong hasn't fully shown what he can do in the MLB system. But um, Alex Verdugo's personality as well as what he can do on the field after his first season at 162, I'll take that all day. And also I'll throw uh, David Price's $31 million contract in the trash. The Dodgers can take that because if we, if, if the Red Sox, if you think about it, if they did not trade David Price as well as Mookie Betts, who, how are they going to get Trevor Story? How are they going to sign Devers to an extension? How are they going to sign Bogey to an extension? How are they going to be able to pay all these guys? They're not. That's that's the reason why they traded them. So if you, if you can tell, I, I get really annoyed when, when, when people bring up the Mookie Betts thing because so many people were so against it. But I was one of the people who was like, get that money off of our payroll so we can start building for the future. I, I think long term it was the right the right call. It it sucks to lose somebody like Mookie, a, a big generational talent. He's so he's so fun. He's so electric at the plate, makes the plays. He was well liked in the clubhouse, obviously. But I, I mean, if you're going to get if you're going to trade him, you have to get something back. You couldn't let him walk in free agency. He was ready to test the free agent market, and he completely earned that right. And he found he liked what he saw with LA and signed a big money extension there. Um, I don't. I'm not going to say the Red Sox 100% won the trade. I think at the end of the day, they they probably will, but it'll be a few years before we know that. Um, but at the end of the day, it was the right move. Um, didn't yeah, like was, it at the time, but it was. I was just you know, curious. Had to be done. 
Well, uh, we should have gotten Bru- We should have gotten uh, uh, Gadradal uh, instead of uh, Downs and Wong, in my opinion. Oh, Gradderall? Yeah. Bruzar? Yeah. I mean, look, hindsight's always twenty twenty, though. You know what I mean? Like, I was just curious to hear you guys' opinion because I'm over here on the West Coast. I hear all the Dodger fans. It helps you guys that Mookie had a really down year, year last year, by the way. Not a lot it of people talk about that. <laughs> like, I think Mookie, it, it's just a standard that he's set for himself. It's to his credit. But I think he really derailed his team last year offensively. The Muncie injury didn't help either. So, you know, obviously, they won the World Series in 2020, 60-game shortened season, but they still won the World Series. So it's hard to say that they didn't win the trade. But – I always hear Dodgers' perspective, so I was curious to hear your guys' perspective. Verdugo also had better stats in the playoffs. Mookie couldn't hit in the playoffs. Oh, there you go. And, I mean, that contract, I'm a, I'm wary of long-term contracts, period. I don't care who it is, but that's a long time to commit to anybody. You don't know if he's going to go down with an ACL or any, like, freak injury. You don't know. He's going to be like Fernando Tatis and just riding his motorcycles and breaking his wrists. Like, you, you don't know like what can happen in those – 12 years that's, that's a lot of money that's a lot of time for one player a very very good player but a long long time well, i'm glad you said long term because i forgot to answer your question by the way and i'll answer it very short when you have a guy like heim bloom that's the beauty of having an analytical genius like that the rebuild is so condensed to what other teams might do so like the tigers it's taken them a decade to rebuild that roster because they don't know how to find these diamond and the rough type players you get a Heim Bloom, a Farhan Zaidi. Zaidi came in in San Francisco and completely changed that franchise out, out of the uh, the deep trenches. Their farm system was bottom five in the league. Their payroll was top 10 in the league. He's since dropped their payroll to around 10 to 12. It might actually be less coming into this year because they uh, don't have Posey's contract. And then their farm system's top 10 in the league. Heim Bloom, same, same way. I always compare, you hear me talk about Farhan Zaidi in San Francisco a lot. I'm constantly calling the Red Sox, or I should reverse it. I'm constantly calling the San Francisco Giants the Boston Red Sox of the West Coast because they're not the Dodgers. You know, the Red Sox aren't the Yankees. That's everybody's, you know, that's the number one team in baseball, they always say, or the number one um, standard in baseball, they always say. Uh, Dodgers are the same way over here on the West Coast. So San Francisco operates in a very similar way. Uh, that Boston does. And so to answer your question, that's what you get when you get an analytical genius is you, whenever those contracts do come off the board, you can't really have an answer for every contract, but you can um, surpass it and, and be able to respond to those by finding those diamond, the rough type players. And it really condenses your rebuild to instead of a eight year rebuild, six year rebuild. Now it's two years. You're back to winning ball games again. Couldn't agree more. You know, the Yankees can also keep on losing in the wild card and keep complaining about a scandal and saying that they should have won for a scandal that happened five years ago. Uh, but that that's that's whatever. But uh, two final questions for you, Danny. You, you're always somebody who likes to predict the, the World Series way ahead of time. So what is your World Series prediction? And lastly, how many games are the Red Sox winning in 2022? I hate to be super anticlimactic here, but I actually haven't picked my World Series pick yet. I've been so like busy with the podcast stuff and uh, articles and stuff like that. I haven't even like really dove into like like what the season's going to turn out to be. Like who's healthy, who's not. I'll say that it's honestly. I, the more I've learned, it's really just what team is healthy at the end of the day. We can talk about how the Dodgers are the best team on paper. I have questions about their bullpen, but if a couple of guys go down, all of a sudden the Dodgers are out of it. 
We loved the San Diego Padres last year when the season, even halfway through the year, we loved the Padres. All of a sudden, they lost Tatis. All of a sudden, they lost Darvish. Um, injuries just started racking up. So the team that's healthiest is going to be taking the chip because that's what the Atlanta Braves did last year. You have to have talent, too. I'm not saying the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, if they stay healthy, are going to be raising that that trophy at the end of the year. But the team with a lot of talent and it remains healthy, that's going to be hoisting the trophy. So I'll get back to you on certain matchup. I promise you that. Red Sox. What's the do we do? I have an over under for them this year, uh, betting wise. Is it like it's got to be at like eighty nine and a half? I would guess. I believe so. I think that's what. Um... That'd be my guess. That'd be my. I haven't looked at the. That's, I've been off track lately, but I haven't looked at the betting odds lately. Um, Division is going to be really tough. I I couldn't care less about win totals for the Red Sox this year. I think it's just a matter of if they can get in because we saw what they're capable of doing in the playoffs last year, beating up on the Tampa Bay Rays, who was the number one seed last year. So they just need to sneak in. Uh, they need to win 90, 95 games, uh, especially with the expanded postseason. That'll be plenty enough to make it in. They have enough talent. They have depth, as we just alluded to earlier in the conversation. They just need to get in. So I'm not going to give you an exact answer of how many wins because it's probably not going to be correct. Let's be real. But they just need to sneak in, and I think they will. They have a really deep, deep team, especially if Sale can come back. Who knows? Maybe even James Paxton comes back and, and can make an impact in that rotation, too. That's the hope, you know. My 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 prediction is ninety three wins or so. You know, as you mentioned, the team who's going to be out on top is is the one who stays healthy and hope and pray. Knock on wood, it's the boys. So, uh, really really appreciate you be me you being generous today with your with your time today, Danny, and for uh, giving all your insight. Uh, but for anybody who hasn't checked out the Wake and Wake Wake and Rake podcast, uh, yeah, definitely go and check it out. And uh, where can also people uh, support you in other ways? Yeah, I, I get to make fun of and ridicule Brooksy Middlebrooks all the time on the podcast. So if you want to see what Will Middlebrooks just get made fun of constantly, uh, check it out uh, across our social handles at wake and rake pod. We're selling some new merchandise too, that you can get your hands on. And then um, he'll be on CBS sports HQ. I got articles coming out on CBSSports.com. So when you're not checking into the locked on Red Sox podcast, check it out. Also follow him on Twitter. It's Danny Vietti. He's one of my favorite followers on Twitter. I don't know what it is with your formatting. You have, you have a, you do a great job with your formatting on Twitter. I got to tell you, but he's definitely one of my favorite followers. Appreciate but re- re- really appreciate you taking the time today, Danny. Of course, guys. Jake, Lauren, yeah, I always uh, appreciate my time with you guys. So thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. We hope that you did enjoy this episode of the Locked On Red Sox podcast, and we've greatly appreciated everybody's support so far this 2022-2022 season. It really means the world to Lauren and I. And, you know, we're so grateful for everybody making the Locked On Red Sox podcast your first listen every single day. And now also make sure to check out MLB. Now also make sure to make your second listen Locked On MLB. Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him solely, brings you his unique perspective on the Major League's past and present. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Do you know what's also free as well? following Locked On Red Sox on Twitter. So go over and give us a follow over there. It's LO underscore Red Sox. We do our best to give you the best Red Sox content day in and day out, as well as give you as much Red Sox information as possible so you can be as knowledgeable of a fan as possible. And we also, Lauren and I both have Twitter accounts that you can go and follow. Mine is at Jake Iggy. 
Go over and follow me over there. Lauren's is la la la. That's three laws. Lauren with four R's. So buckle up, guys, because we have some great guests planned leading up to the Red Sox opening day next Thursday. That's right. Only six days away. Let's go. So if you have not yet, make sure to subscribe either on YouTube or whatever audio platform that you're listening to. And also, if you did enjoy this podcast, we'd greatly appreciate it if you would leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We would greatly appreciate uh, any sort of review that you could give. But as always, thank you so much for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen. And let's get ready. For some Red Sox baseball as I've been in the episodes the last few weeks and I'm going to continue to do it for the rest of the season let's go Sox peace guys see you later